scheduled our pulpit team to take turns in, in one, per month in coming up here. I lost the list. <laughs> and nobody can remember that I even had a list. So either I dreamt it or I'm losing it. Kind of, rem- kind, kind of reminds me of the of a story Marty Spilkes told me. He told me he went to a his uh, his uncle, Irv Spilkes, went to a psychiatrist, and he says, "I cannot sleep at night." He says, "I always have the same dream. I'm in this room. It's lit, and there's and there and I, I keep on pushing the door, pushing the door, pushing the door." The door's got a big sign on it, but I keep on pushing the door, pushing the door, pushing the door, and I can't open. Psychiatrist says, that's interesting. By the way, what does it <laughs> So sometimes things are obvious that you just don't see it, and I'm wondering if it's the obvious, and i just not seeing it. Anyways, welcome here. Welcome to Grace Christian Fellowship. Um, I'm glad you're here. I see the Runner family. We share, we share, we share a granddaughter together. It's always good to share. Um, at this time, we're gonna we're going to receive the offering, our tithes, and so let's pray. The ushers, come forward. This is a time. This is part of our worship. This is part of our worship. Something we get to do. It's actually a privilege. Heavenly Father, we thank you for supplying us all of our needs. And um, look on the hearts of those who are giving of their tithes and see that they do it joyfully. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The kids what? Oh, release the kids. Gives, you, gives your mom and dad a kiss off to Sunday school. Okay. That's it. Jeff. Jeff. There we go. I don't think I've ever really explained in detail why we dedicate babies. How many of you have ever been to a a baby dedication? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, this is actually something that's very common in, 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 in churches throughout the world. So I'm going to talk about this. But before I, before I pray for this, for this message, I want to uh, make a point. And I'm going to make a point with a story. A New York rabbi tells this story. He says, my father taught me to read the Bible in Hebrew as a young child. We began at Genesis. When we came to Isaiah, he skipped the 53rd chapter. I asked him, why? He said it was not necessary for Jews to read that chapter. I became more curious. I asked him, who is it for? And he said, Christians. I asked him what the Christian Bible was doing in our Bible. He became angry and told me to keep quiet. I wondered why God would put unnecessary things in the Bible. 
I copied the 53rd chapter on a paper and carried it in my stocking for two years until I came to America, the free country. I looked at it, I looked at that paper every chance I could without being seen. I took better care of that paper than most people do of their money. Through reading this wonderful chapter, I was led to accept Christ as my Savior. I was walking in New York one day and heard a lady reading this chapter. She explained to me that it referred to Jesus Christ, and it satisfied me completely. From Isaiah 53, we read this about the Messiah. He was despised and rejected of men. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed and afflicted. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He poured out his life unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. He, transgressors. he was assigned a grave with the wicked. But here's my point. Now listen carefully. If you don't read for yourself, if you have been taught wrong, or if you skip parts of the Bible, you might miss something extremely important. Did I bring my point home? Okay, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this message you put on my heart for my friends here. Lord, I pray I speak with clarity and I don't cause confusion. And Lord, I thank you for your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. Losing my voice all of a sudden. Why does something always happen to me over the pulpit? I mean... Everything that happens to me seems to manifest over the pulpit. It's like God wants me to live my life before you guys. You know? I got a mouth that's bleeding because I had a tooth pulled. You know? I come Bell's palsy. I got to put a patch on my eye because I can't shut it. I mean, all, all kinds of... There was a time my tooth fell out. You know? I'd have you all bow your heads and ask if anybody's got some... Polydent. Praise God, one woman did. Had you all bow your heads, put a little polygon, stuck it back up there. I mean, always over the pulpit it happens to me. Question is, why is a baby dedicated? What is a baby dedication? And really, what does it mean? I mean, we've sat through many of them. And I've talked about it in bits and pieces. But why do many local churches of different denominations, why do they do baby dedications? Picture this. In the Bible, there's an account where parents tried to bring their children to Jesus to be touched with a blessing. The disciples thought Jesus had more important things to do than to minister to children, so they tried to push the parents and the children away. When Jesus realized what was going on, he had words with his disciples because he didn't want any of those children to be turned away from him. He wanted nothing to get in the way of a bless, uh, uh, to bless those children. And he used that event <clears throat> to teach his disciples a lesson. Let's read about this. In Mark 10, verse 13. <clears throat> May I have some water, please? Someone bring me some water. <clears throat> Mark 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God 
belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. He blessed them. <clears throat> right after I'm through speaking, we're going to be doing, we're going to be praying for Reagan Runner. Today, a baby dedication is a time. A church, as a church family, we thank God for the child and we pray for the parents. We pray that the parents will have the wisdom for raising their baby. Children were blessed to be in the arms of Christ. And today, children are blessed to be in the arms of parents who are the disciples of Christ. Is that yucky tap water? It is. <clears throat> you know, in this act of baby, in dedicating a baby, we're reminded that we must receive Jesus Christ and his kingdom with the simplicity of a child. The simplicity of a child. A baby, a baby dedication does not save a baby because the baby has to be saved from their sins, and must fulfill Romans 10, 9. When we, when we pray for baby Reagan today, as we do these other babies, that does not mean that the child's born again, that the child's going to heaven. No. The child needs to receive Christ for themselves. In Romans 10, verse 9, <clears throat> that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <clears throat> now, it's to tell a little baby, you want to get saved. The kid's only a couple months old. You got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That, that's ridiculous. The child needs to come to an age when, when, when he or she can do that themselves. And the parents usually lead them into that, along with the help of Sunday school teachers sometimes. A baby dedication should remind us how to get saved. And that it's by faith. And faith alone. And like a, like, a, like a small, trusting child, we must trust in who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the cross. We must trust in the message of the cross. The message of the cross. <clears throat> a UWM college student was seen wearing a T-shirt. Flip it, Jeff. Another one, please. Was wearing a T-shirt with a big K on the front of it. Someone asked what the K stood for. The student turned and, and showed his, his back of his T-shirt. And the back of it, he said the back of it stood for confused. The man said, you don't spell confused with a K, it's a C. 
The student said, you just don't understand how confused I really am. <laughs> Listen, far too many church-going folk, for far too many church-going folks, the message of the cross is confusing. Why? Mostly because of non-scriptural teachings. Oswald Chambers said, all heaven is interested in the cross, all hell is terribly afraid of it. The message of the cross is the centerpiece of our faith. And it's found in in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The message of the cross. Jesus Christ, who is God, God manifest in the flesh, did what was humanly impossible when he went to the cross and died for the sins of everyone in the world who would believe, who would put their trust in him. And you could say, I trust in him and I believe in him, but do your own thing. And I say, you don't trust in him or believe in him. Because he says, if you love me, if you're going to follow me, my disciples, you've got to do what I tell you. But most people don't do this. They don't conform to the image of Christ. In his death, Christ became like our Passover lamb, so we could be saved from eternal life. The cross was necessary because of the sin of Adam and Eve and their disobedience in the garden that caused separation between God and man. Let me show you something here on the overhead. I've got three circles. Each circle represents man, body, soul, and spirit. See, there's three, three circles in one big circle. The first circle represents man before the fall. Okay? Body, the first, the first um, circle is, outside circle is the body. The second one is the soul, which is comprised of the, the mind, emotions, and the will. And the one in the middle is the spirit, spirit, soul, and body. Now, after Adam and Eve sinned, they, there was death. Where was their death? It was, there was death in their spirit. They became spiritually dead to God and alive to Satan. And that has started affecting their soul, their mind, emotions, and will. But, and God had a way of, of atoning through the ages while he was setting things up for his only begotten son to be manifest in the flesh. And so now what we have when we, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are born again. And we are born again. Now where are we born again? We're born again in our spirit. In our spirit. And that's, where, that's when we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, where God dwells within us. He's not going to dwell within the imperfect. He will dwell within the perfect. And there's something perfect about everybody who's born again, and that is your spirit. You may have a messed up soul and a crippled up body, but your spirit is perfect. You say, Frank, where do you get this born again business from? It came from Jesus. Quite clear. In John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, 
a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. I've read many different interpretations of this, different Bibles. They all say the same. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. I don't think he was being facetious. I think this, he said, how can this be? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Water, it's a natural birth. And the spirit, notice it's a capital S. That's the spirit, the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. It just, by faith, it just kind of like happens. You don't feel anything. It just, just like, it's just like, it just moves and it happens to you. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Jesus said, you're Israel's teacher. Uh, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then can you believe if I speak of heavenly things? He says, you don't believe the obvious. How are you going to believe the, 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 the spiritual stuff? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. As the snake was lifted up in the desert, you know, there's a, the, the emblem, the medical emblem sign is a, is a big staff with a snake. Okay, and that actually, that's the sign of, of medicine around the world. And where that really comes from the Bible, where, where a, um, the staff was lifted up, and the people who looked on at the, at the serpent that was on the stake, they, they, they lived. They lived. And he says, now, now, he said that the Son of Man has to be lifted up. Anybody looks on him will have life. But that's where the born-again thing comes from. It's not something just church people made up. It's something that it's, it's paramount. It's paramount. And today we live in a culture where, where you say, are you a Christian? People say, what kind are you? You say, yeah, what kind are you? Are you a born-again kind or a non-born-again kind? How could there be any non-born-again Christian? The word Christian is a, is a follower of Christ. How can you be a follower of Christ and be out of his kingdom? You've got to be in his kingdom to, be, to follow Christ. Are you, are you tracking with me? You have to be born again. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The message of the cross. The message of the cross for unsaved people seems foolish. They ridicule us. But we see it as the power of God. The message of the cross gives new birth. 
changes our lives, gives us the ticket to heaven. So the mockers, those that make fun of church people, born-again people, they see, they see stuff as foolishness. I'm going to turn the boat a little bit. Don't fall off. And then I'm going to end. <clears throat> In Christian Life magazine, there's an interesting story, a cute story. There's a story told of a, co- of a, of a cottage in a little country village in which lived a family of four. There's father, mother, and two little children, two babies. One summer evening, something terrible happened, and the little cottage caught on fire. In a few seconds, the thatch roof and wooden timbers were ablaze. There was no fire engine in the remote village, and the villagers just stood um, by frozen, and they were just helpless in terror. No one moved. They were so scared. But suddenly, this guy named Andy, a young man who had only recently moved into the village, came striding up. What, can nothing be done to rescue the people inside, Andy cried. And as no one responded, he dashed through the flames. A moment later, Andy emerged, bearing under each arm a little child. They were unhurt, for Andy had hidden them under his coat. But he himself was terribly burnt, especially on his arms and hands. Scarcely had he got out before the, the roof of the, college, the cottage fell in with a sickening crash, and the parents of the children were never seen again. A kind old woman took Andy into her home and nursed him carefully. Meanwhile, there was much discussion in the village to what was to be done with those two kids that were rescued. It was decided that a council should meet to decide what was to become of them. When one day, uh, when the day of decision arrived, there were two who claimed the little children. The first was a young nobleman of the village. He had a lot of money. He had position and a large home to offer the children. The second one to claim the children was Andy, the young man who rescued the children. When asked what right he had to the little children, Andy said nothing. Instead of talking, he raised his hands and arms. They were burned and scarred for the children. Now, what do you think? Who should get those two children? Do you think it was foolish for Andy to claim those children? Or did the young nobleman of the village, who had a better claim because of his money, position, and home, did he have a better claim to raise those children? Were the children saved by the nobleman who stood and watched, did nothing, or by Andy? Was the nobleman willing to sacrifice his life to save the lives of the children? Or was it Andy who sacrificed his life out of pure love and compassion? Do you think Andy's rescue, which brought salvation from the fire, might have been seen as foolish in the eyes of the villagers? In the same way, 
The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Here's the bottom line. A baby dedication is the first step believing parents take to raise their children. Now, I know, I've done a lot of baby dedications, and I know parents already, when they first meet the baby, they're thanking God. In their own hearts, to themselves, they're dedicating the children. This is what most Christian parents do. But then they want the blessings of the church family and of God in prayer. And so that's what a baby dedication is really all about. So at this time, Jackie, Andy, come on down. Also the elders. The elders of GCF, Grace Christian Fellowship. You know, when we dedicate a child, we give them their first, their first diploma. And this is what it looks like. The first diploma. And it blesses me that if I go visit a, someone's home, I, I see this proudly on the wall. Child's first certificate. So, let me, can, can I have her? Oh, I got I got you know, I want you to think through this. Can you see this? Can you see her? Look at her. Can you see her? You can't see her? Oh, my goodness. She's got such a little head, you know. Hold on. Okay, okay baby. Check this out. Okay. Look at this. Her name is Reagan. Jackie told me that they also like the name Carter for if they have another kid. I said, Reagan and Carter for children? I don't think so. <laughs> we share her. The word is share. <laughs> huh? No, they wouldn't name the baby Frank. I offered him money. I offered him a lot of money. They wouldn't do it. <laughs> Here, baby. Oh, I was looking forward to this day. Yeah, let's pray, okay? Let's pray for the child and parents. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Reagan Jean Renner. We thank you, Lord, that she's wonderfully created. And God, you created her to serve you. Lord, I pray that she be a good baby, that she knows you at a young age. Lord, keep the bumps and bruises that scar the lives of young children away from her. Oh, God, we bless her. We bless her in the name of Jesus. And for the parents, it's not easy to raise children today. I pray for Jackie and I pray for Andy. I pray you give them the wisdom, give them the wisdom uh, to raise this child to serve you. God, this is a, a Christian home. And Lord, you've blessed them with a baby that was so desired. Thank you, Lord, for this. So we pray again for this family. And your church family agrees. In Jesus' name, amen. So that, oh yeah. I hope you're praying along with us, because this is a family affair. You know, we just have the elders up here representing all of you, but 
part of what they do. But this is a family affair. And um, I was asking, I asked Jackie, I said, Jackie, how, since you, you know, she's been here from the, from the beginning, I said, how many, how many babies have you seen dedicated? She says, oh, Dad, many. And then I asked um, uh, one of the Holden guys, which one was it? Yeah, 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 they all look alike. I asked the drummer. <laughs> I asked Tim. I said, Tim, how many baby dedications have you seen? You know, the first one he saw was the one that was the one that Mark and Janet had when he got dedicated. You know, yeah. Some of you remember that. You're the old old lot, old timers. So this is a wonderful thing. This is something we do as a family. It's very scriptural. It's a blessing for the parents. God hears these prayers. And God's going to give them the wisdom. And it takes wisdom today to raise children. I believe it takes more wisdom today than it did when I was a kid. Okay? Because there are more weird things going on, like, I, I want, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? <sighs> Let's all stand together, okay? I'm, I'm writing a pamphlet right now. I taught on the, on the Aaronic Benediction uh, a couple months ago, I think it was, maybe a few months ago. I'm going to write a, a pamphlet on pretty much what I said. But please receive this because this is God blessing you. Number 621. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, peace in your heart, knowing because of your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you a lot. If you have a special prayer need, we'll be glad to pray for you. Otherwise, I will see you in the coffee shop.